You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday here on the Locked On Utes podcast, and this is what we're talking about on the show. Utah locks down the majority of their 2022 recruiting class. What surprises came about? Is there anything going on behind the scenes that maybe causes you to think that Utah's not quite done? And who from this class emerges as a go-to? And how many of these players will actually be impact players for the Utes? We'll also talk about an extreme injustice that has been done to the University of Utah football program, and in specifics, their captain. Why this kind of attitude is still happening despite University of Utah football having the kind of success that they've had. Lastly, we'll talk a little bit about the running Utes heading to SEC country to take on the Mizzou Tigers and a few other news and notes from the athletic department. All that for your Thursday episode of the Locked on Utes podcast for December 16th, 2021. Hello, Utah fans. This is the Locked On Utes podcast as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you, as always, for making us your first listen every day as we are free and available on all platforms. Tried out the YouTube thing. It went okay. Uh, We'll get back to it eventually, I'm sure. Uh, This week is uber busy with signing day and Christmas and day job stuff. So we're just going to go ahead and drop the audio for for now, Uh, but we'll definitely get back to the YouTube channel uh soon want to make sure that we let you know that today's episode is brought to you by netsuite netsuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth head to netsuite.com slash locked on ncaa for a special end of year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses it was a big day yesterday and a lot happened uh some of it was involving utah football some of it was not as sammy and i Said yesterday, we knew there were going to be some surprises. Some of them we kind of knew about. Some we had an idea of. Some we were hoping would happen, but didn't didn't know for sure. Keith Olson, one of the big ones. That's a huge get for the University of Utah. If you subscribe over at Utah, a lot of this stuff was kind of revealed ahead of time as the quote-unquote tea leaves kind of revealed themselves. Another somewhat surprising uh, acquisition or signing, I guess Chase Kennedy, Dallas Vakalahi never really committed, but and in my mind, it was always kind of a lock, so that was a good one. Got a flip from K.O. Okana, who was committed to Boise State, and Justin Medlock finally made his decision to sign with the University of Utah. That was one that we were waiting on. Uh, that was another big one. Medlock is the linebacker out of Texas, was originally committed to Miami. And maybe the best part of the whole day was that there weren't any oopsies for Utah. And oopsies are when you lose a recruit or recruit flips or something happens. Now, if if some of you are out there wondering about uh, Sidney Mbanasor, who we talked a lot about on the podcast, The Commitment, he's likely to sign in February. Uh, and, and along with Justius Lowe, who was a flip from Oregon, that happened after Sammy and I had recorded. 
always fun when news breaks after you've already dropped an episode, but I digress. So those two waiting to sign in February, Utah also holds a couple slots open for uh, scholarships and, and initials uh, for that next round of signing. Some of that is probably to, to figure out what's going to happen in the transfer portal. Some of that is just to find out, uh, to, to allow yourself uh, some wiggle room is, is likely the best way to put it in case there are things that happen in the Rose Bowl, in case there are season in the injuries, in case you need to make some changes, in case players have second thoughts. We remember last year, if you followed recruiting, Veltre Jefferson, who I just went on, I went on radio, I went everywhere, just raved about this kid, talked about how he was going to dominate at the University of Utah, and like three weeks later, asked out of his letter. So that stuff happens, and and that's part of recruiting. And and I always try to reinforce with recruiting. Recruiting is not about winning the game. These are the touchdowns that you score along the way. So each commitment, each signing, that's a touchdown. Uh, the games are actually won and lost in in season, in the fall, in September, October, November, even December now. So inevitably there are going to be changes. There are going to be bumps along the way. A lot of these guys are not going to pan out the way that we all hope. Today is just a day for positivity. Everybody's an all-star. Everybody's an all-American. Everybody's a potential match for something. Uh, I want to shout out my guy, Johnny J. Uh, he uh, <laughs> he mentioned that, he, he had, you know, so like we were comparison guy, comparing guys, right? And everybody loves to have a comp towards something. He mentioned a long time ago that the comp for Jalen Glover was MJD Marines, uh, Maurice Jones-Drew. Uh, Kyle Whittingham echoed that in his press conference. And so we're making all these comparisons and and, and having all these conversations. And, and I've talked about Chris Reed uh, reminding me a lot of Kenneth Scott, for example. Uh, there are other guys out there. I think, uh, you know, we've talked about Sidney and Banasaur and, and the comparison to Darren Jones has been na- made. He's not nearly the athlete that Darren Jones was. DJ was uh, unreal. And uh, I, I don't know how many of you who are listening remember the whole uh, Cajon Trio, or uh, the Cajomies, as I started calling them. Uh, I, I probably still owe Bill Riley an apology for saying that on air with him. So if, if this somehow gets back to Bill uh, again, I apologize. I'm going to blame it on my youth in the industry for that one. But that was uh, Darren Jones, uh, Jane Daniels, and I, the, the third one is slipping my head. And, uh, oh, man. It was such a fun trio, and I think at that point in time it was really exciting because Utah was just getting off the Hallandale trio of Tyler Huntley and and Damari Simpkins and Zach Moss. But um, the whole point of it is just that we love to make these comps and we love to compare guys. Uh, Tyler Regis, one year, uh, loved comparing him to Trevor Riley with the way he played. So that that's going to happen. Uh, you know, maybe you look at Nate Johnson and you think to yourself. He kind of has a little bit of Russell Wilson to him. He's a really, really good athlete. Runs a 4-4-5, 40-yard dash. You know what? Look, I've talked a lot about Nate Johnson. We're going to listen to Trent Dilfer, the quarterback guru, talk about Nate Johnson here. University of Utah has exploded into a Pac-12 power. And guess what? They're getting maybe the most explosive quarterback in this year's class. Nathan Johnson from Clovis, California, 6'1", 191, an athletic dual threat quarterback with elite explosiveness, which is evident in his personal best of 10-4-9 in the 100-meter dash and a 4-4-5 in the 40-yard dash. 
He posted a 108 spark rating at the Los Angeles Regional with a 37-inch vertical jump. He only started 15 games as a high school quarterback due to COVID-shortened 2020 season in California. But in those 15 games, accumulated nearly 4,000 yards of total offense and accounted for 33 touchdowns. Utah is getting a playmaker, and Nathan Johnson could be more fired up for Nathan. Love this kid from Fresno. It's dear to my heart as well. And that's my Panini Elite 11 quarterback rating. Part of the reason I wanted to play that, really exciting to hear Trent Dilfer talk about the University of Utah exploding as a Pac-12 program. The other part of it is I think that Nate Johnson is one of the guys in this class that you're going to end up seeing be an all-star. And Utah's had a bumpy road with four-star prospect. There's no doubt about it. You've seen two of them at the quarterback position, I said. You've seen two of them transfer out. Uh, of Utah and Jack Tuttle and, and Peter Castelli. Castelli, I think, was more because he couldn't afford to sit another year. Uh, we're seeing it all the time. Uh, you know, I, I believe it's Walker Reynolds who just committed to LSU, signed with LSU. He's going to try and go in there and play as a freshman now because Max Johnson is transferred. Uh, so Nate Johnson, I think, now, now if you listen to Trent talk about it, he does need a year. He needs some development. There's a lot more to his mechanics that he needs to work on. So it's a perfect situation for him to come to Utah. He can play behind... Cam Rising, who is the best uh, guy to have as a mentor and and you know a, a, a teacher and everything like that, he can help him with all that stuff because Cam doesn't care. He just wants to make everybody better. So that's a great situation for Nate to come in in red shirt behind Cam. Maybe he'll get some reps. Who knows? Uh, but he can learn. Brandon Rose, same thing. Brandon Rose is probably a two to three year developmental project, and I think that's the other interesting part about this. Brandon Rose is coming in thinking that he can win the job. That, that's just his attitude. That's just his approach. He has no problems coming in and competing. I think he's a really exciting kid in the regards that now Utah has some real depth at the quarterback position. They've got four guys with with bona fides with with a uh, resume, and if one of them transfers and it doesn't pan out, so be it. If two of them transfer. You're going to go get two more next year. I think Utah's done a good job of going and getting transfer guys as well. In Cam Rising and, and Jaquin and Jackson, Jaquin will still have to wait and see for the most part what happens with him. And then, I look, I know everybody's going to point at Jake Bentley and, and Charlie Brewer and say, no, no, they, it didn't pan out with those two. Uh, I mean, it panned out for Utah. And, and maybe Jake Bentley didn't have the greatest five-game stretch here at Utah, but um, it's a lot to try and transfer into this offense and this program. And, and we're learning that, right? So if you look at guys who have stayed for a year in the program, who have who've learned and, and studied under Andy Ludwig and get the nuance of the offense, they all turn out to be much better quarterbacks afterwards. And there's just there's a lot more pre-snap action that goes on with Andy's offense. So it's going to play to Nate Johnson's advantage. I really think he's a charismatic guy. If you've seen the, inter- the interviews, I, I've talked a lot about him. So I think he's one of those guys. I think uh, Lander Barton's another guy that is absolutely uh, going to be an impact player. He may even be an impact player immediately. Uh, he's now listed at six four two fifteen, which if that's the case, like the fact that he's getting even taller, I mean, I I think some of that is just, you know, how they list things. Uh, but the other addition that they made was Justin Medlock, and and we haven't talked about him a whole ton. He was a flip from Miami, a linebacker out of Manville, Texas. He's a point eight eight one seven rated linebacker. Coach Whittingham said that he was one of the one of the two best backers in the West. Lander Barton and Justin Medlock, two really good, really good players. Uh, so, you know, that's – I I don't have enough uh, knowledge 
of Medlock to know for sure if, if, if he's going to be the guy that's an impact guy. I think Jalen Glover is an obvious candidate for this one. I think he's a huge impact guy as well. And I'm going to go ahead and say Teo Johnson's going to be an impact guy. I don't think it's going to be immediately. You know, we also know that Dallas Vakalahi, I think he'll be an impact guy down the road, but he's going to serve a mission first. Um, you know, Chase Kennedy is a guy that the, the school absolutely loves. Um, there's a lot of positive talk trending in his direction that, you know, he's listed at 6'3", 225. There's a lot of thought that he's actually a little bit taller than that. He's closer to 6'4", 6'5", which if that's the case, that's a really good deal. I think Logan Kendall, obviously, is going to be a huge impact player. Now, I don't think uh, any of these guys are going to be stars by any stretch other than Lander. Uh, Lander is by far the best. Barton, two older brothers playing in the NFL, older sister going to play professional volleyball overseas, and he's the best of the best. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put some heavy money on that and and think that his relationship with Colton Swan, his choice to come to the University of Utah despite other options, all that stuff's going to lead to him being a big-time player. The rest of these guys, it's a very much a wait-and-see approach, and then that's how it is with every recruiting class. There are positives to be said about every single player in this group. What Utah did with this class is they went and filled their needs, and they get, gathered some depth, and they got some developmental prospects. These are all guys that have very high potential, high ceiling. Uh, none of these guys are Clark Phillips, necessarily outside of maybe Lander. And or Van Fillingers or Xavier Carlton's. They're not four stars that you can go in and start right away. In fact, Utah only has two four stars officially in the class per the composite. Again, I think Jalen Glover needs to be a four star. I think Carson Tabarachi needs to be a four star. I think those are two guys that can really be dynamite players. I think they're in the right offense. I think they're in the right system. I think that Keith Olsen is a really tantalizing prospect. I think he could be a great guard for the University of Utah. I think he's got balance. I think he's got uh, flexibility. I think he's got fluidity. He's an athlete that you don't really see a lot at that position. And it could allow Utah to do some really exciting things in spring, in the screen game and pulling and everything like that. But everybody is on a developmental curve. And, and we're going to see some guys get injured. We're going to see some guys that just never make it on the field. We're going to see the Andrew Mataafas of the world where they just end up being special teams players and that's it. And that's fine. Not everybody is supposed to be a star. Not everybody is supposed to be a legend. Not everybody is going to be Devin Lloyd. But today, we can celebrate the commitment of all these guys coming to the University of Utah, choosing the red, and deciding to become Utes and put in the work to win another Pac-12 championship. Along those lines, I want you all to visualize something for me. This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite, and right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash NCAA. Head to netsuite.com slash NCAA for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. netsuite.com slash NCAA. 
Coming at you live on a Thursday here on the Locked On Utes podcast as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you, as always, for making us your first listen every single day. We are free and available on all platforms. Thank you, as always, for tuning in as well. It is great to have you along for the ride. We're going to talk a little bit more about recruiting tomorrow as uh, Dan Sorensen from UteZone.com is scheduled to join us. It'll be Dan's first appearance on the Locked On Utes podcast. I'm really excited about it. We'll definitely break down this class and talk about the ins and outs. Dan has been doing this longer than anybody else in the state. He's one of the more uh, renowned, I guess you could say, experts in terms of recruiting. And he has some amazing stories. So we'll get his insight on this class as more. I wanted to talk about something else a little bit. And that is one of the more disappointing announcements that I've seen to date in terms of the sports world. Devin Lloyd was awarded a second team all-American vote from the AFCA, and I'm upset about it. I'm borderline furious about that, and it's not simply because I am a Utah homer. It is because the AFCA is just towing the line of what every single other organization and group in college football has done all along, and that's specifically they're just giving Utah the pat on the head. Oh, it's the Pac-12. It's not that tough. Oh, it's Utah. They're a down year. Oh, it's him. He's not that great. And what it feels like to me is it's the same old stupid slights about Utah just being that cute little program out west that won a bowl game in 2008 against Alabama, that broke the BCS in 2004. And it's that same bias that allowed Leo Chanel from Wisconsin to be named uh, a first team All American ahead of Lloyd, and look, I'm not taking away from anything that Leo Janal has done, but if you compare the statistics, statistics side by side, the junior from Wisconsin was not as good as Devin Lloyd. I'm going to lift something from my good friend James Durant. I hope he doesn't mind that I'm sharing this with everybody. But he said the following in a uh, uh, on the Utes on board: 371 defenders qualified to be ranked in tackles, tackles for loss, sacks, interceptions, or passes defended which usually ends up about 100 per category. 371 players ranked in those. Devin Lloyd is the only defender in the country to qualify in all five. No one else qualified in more than three categories, and only nine other players qualified in just three categories. Anderson and Chanel qualified in three. Tackles, tackles for loss, and sacks. Not only that, but Devin Lloyd's lowest rank was tied for 50th in passes defended. Chanel's lowest ranking was tied for 50th in passes defended, while Anderson's was tied for 76th in tackles. So Devin's still the, the, the king in two other categories ahead of uh, these two guys that were never even ranked. Uh, he accomplished something that no other defender came even close to accomplishing. And I think J.D. phrased it perfectly here. The lack of respect and recognition is abhorrent. Um he adds something else on here as well. Uh, if you look over the published depth charts for Alabama, Georgia, Wisconsin, and Utah, they show something interesting. Of the 24 players in the two deep for the final game, so 11 plus a nickel, Bama had two freshmen, seven sophomores, 10 juniors, six seniors. Georgia had four freshmen, four sophomores, six juniors, 10 seniors. Here it comes. Wisconsin had one freshman, five sophomores, seven juniors, nine seniors with no nickel. Obviously, it's the Big Ten. Big Ten only wants dimes. 
Uh, that's a lot. Big Ten only wants heavy packages. You had 14 freshmen, two sophomores, four juniors, and three seniors. So not only was he one of the best players on the best defense in the Pac-12 by by the stats, which if we started out at the beginning of the year, like, holy cow, it did not look like that. He's also the only player in the country to qualify in all five of those categories, while the other two guys on the team ahead of him only qualified in three. And on top of that, he played with, again, 14 freshmen, two sophomores, four juniors, and three seniors, while everybody else on their defense has played with upperclassmen. There's no excuse for this. It's extremely disappointing that uh, the AFCA, which is supposed to be the American Football Coaches Association, this is supposed to be the group that knows football. This is what we hear all the time when we hear coaches talk about. You don't know what you're talking about. We know what we're talking about. How on earth do you make that mistake then? And it's not just about... Devin Lloyd not becoming the first ever uh, position group player to become a unanimous All-American. It's not just about that. And it's not just about making a small mistake. This is about the continued disrespect of a program that has now earned the right to be a national brand. This is a program that went and got players from seven different states in their recruiting class. This is not USC. This is not Notre Dame. This is not Stanford. This is Utah. This is not supposed to be a national brand in terms of recruiting. They aren't supposed to be all across the country trying to bring players in. And yet they are. And they're bringing in more and more talent. And that talent is getting ranked higher and higher every single year. And the classes continue to grow. It's the fourth ranked class in the Pac-12. It's top 30 class, top 35. And it's probably going to get even bigger once they actually get all the ratings down. And the ratings and everything like that are well behind this year because of COVID. And and the ratings evaluations, they haven't been able to go to camps as much. They haven't been able to see players up close. They're going to have to continue petitioning and getting film out there. Once everything falls down, I would, I, I would wager that this is one of the better, if not the best classes that Utah has ever put together, just top to bottom. I want to read this quote from Kyle Whittingham because I think it's very important to understand how uh, – He phrases it. That says that there's one group out there that doesn't evaluate as well as the others, I guess. Utah head coach Kyle Whittingham said Wednesday afternoon, I can't even fathom that he is not a first-team All-American in everybody's eyes, but everyone has their own opinion, and I guess that was that entity's own opinion. You move on. Devin Lloyd is going to be a terrific pro player, and he's got a bright future, so even though there's a little bit of disappointment, that won't phase him. And if ever there was a chance to play uh, the NR estimation game with Kyle Whittingham, he is fuming and he is furious because for so long he has stuck up for this group, for for coaches, for everybody else. And Devin Lloyd was completely overlooked. And it was unfair. And it's wrong. And there's nothing that's going to happen out of this. And it's just another one of those situations where even as Utah is starting to grow and, and develop and, and get more attention, and, and we just listened in the last round uh, to, to Trent Dilfer talk about Utah becoming a powerhouse in the Pac-12. And if, if you're listening to all the conversations in college football, it's Bruce Feldman, it's Kirk Herbstreit, it's all these high-level influencers, if you will, of the conversation in college football are all talking about Utah and they're changing their tune, you know, and uh, you all know that I listen to the Ryan Rulicillo podcast often. I've never heard them talk about Utah as much as they did on there. They talked about Utah on ESPN daily uh, two, I want to say two or three times in one week. 
not just because it was Alex Smith's alma mater and he's on every Monday. And if you're not listening to Mondays with Alex Smith and uh, Pablo Torre, you're missing out. That's good stuff. The conversation has changed. This is not the same Utah that everybody experienced 10 or 15 years ago. This is not even the same Utah team that people looked at five years ago. This is a new Utah, and people need to wake up and realize it. And if Devin Lloyd has to fall on the sword for this one, I hope it causes the kind of chaos and disruption and and wake up for everybody across the board about how good this Utah team is. Because when they go back-to-back in the Pac-12 championship, 2021, 2022, and go into the college football playoff next year, everybody else is going to have to really wake up to how good this Utah program is. If ever anybody asks why you listen to a podcast, I think there's an obvious answer. You listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Get three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line and a free 5G phone when you switch so you can get the latest episodes of Locked On Utes and whatever else you're listening to on the Locked On Network. All on one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save. That's Boost Mobile. Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers coverage not available everywhere or for all phones networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. Bet online has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season continues to march to the playoffs and the bowl season, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Closing out a Thursday episode of the Locked On News podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for writing along with me today. Post-signing day, it was a big day for the University of Utah. We'll continue to break down this class and all the movement up front. If you heard or saw something and are confused about it, go ahead and hit us up at Locked On Utes on the Twitter or shoot us an email, LockedOnUtes at gmail.com. Wanted to break down the matchup between the running Utes and the Mizzou Tigers as Utah men's basketball uh, leaves to go finish off its home-and-home deal with Mizzou this Saturday, December 18th at 2.30 p.m. That will be on SEC Networks. Uh, Missouri enters this weekend's game, 5-5 five and five overall, under the direction of Quanzo Martin. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because he used to coach at Cal. Uh, he was there for three seasons. The Tigers are 4-2 and two this season on their home court with losses to Kansas City and Wichita State. Kobe Brown paces the team in a handful of categories. He averages 13.8 points, 9.4 rebounds, and 2.6 assists. Team high in blocks, 10, and steals 18, while shooting an impressive 54% from the field. Amari Davis is second on the team, averaging 10 points and 3 rebounds, while Javon Pickett is almost in double figures, averaging 9.3 points per game. Uh, They have allowed opponents to shoot 37.6% from beyond the arc for only 80 made three-pointers so far this season. That ranks top 20 nationally. Um, They've also out-rebounded opponents by an average margin of 5.6 rebounds per game. Through its six home games, Mizzou has outscored opponents on average by 11.2 points, but they have allowed opponents to shoot at a pretty high clip, uh, 40% from the field. Um, This is going to be a challenge for the University of Utah. I think that Utah is still kind of rounding into form, and so it'll be a good road game for them to go on uh, 
into SEC country. I don't know how hostile uh, Mizzou will be. I don't know how active the crowd is going to be. The 18th of December is after school is out, so you have to assume that a lot of the student uh, base is going to be heading home for Christmas and whatnot. Um, Utah is coming off a very big game over the uh, very big win over the Manhattan Jaspers. Uh, Lahat June led the Utes off the bench with a career high 16, seven rebounds, four assists. So Utah is going to come in with some momentum, and this is a game that if they do manage to knock off Mizzou and 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 put together some real uh, continuity, this could be a really good game for Utah to to build upon and springboard them f- themselves forward as they kind of head into the the beginnings of well the end of the non conference and the beginning of the conference season starting in January. Also happening, Danny Drews was named the first team AVCA All American. Uh, team for the third straight season so at least one all-american team can figure out who to put on the first team she uh earns national recognition after posting 5.19 kills this uh per set this season which ranks first in the pac-12 and fourth in the nation posting a league best 5.45 kills per set in pac-12 play she also led the conference in points per set at 5.77 and is third in the country overall she's really good at volleyball i don't know if you've listened to the podcast and heard that trust us she posted 581 kills this season, which ranks third all-time at Utah for most in a single season and hit a career-best .276 in her final year. She was named the AVCA Pacific South Region Player of the Year for the third straight season, along with a landing spot on the All-Region and All-Pac-12 teams for the fourth year in a row. Posted 12 matches of 20-plus kills and totaled a team-best 12 double-doubles. She also led the team with 35 aces and posted the second-most digs at 293. She became Utah's all-time leader in kills, ending her career with 2,268 kills. Eat that, all you uh, Call of Duty nerds. She also eclipsed the 1,000 dig mark and posted 1,104 career digs. She becomes the only Ute to post 2,000 kills and 1,000 digs in a career and just the sixth player in Pac-12 history to do so. She finished her career second all-time in Utah, uh, or excuse me, second all-time in Pac-12 history for career kills. Second all-time in the Pac-12. That's insane. Logan Tom, one of the greatest volleyball players to ever come to this, uh, come to this state, uh, Pac-12 player. I mean, the list of Pac-12 volleyball players is just so long. So I said earlier in the podcast that Lander Barton was the uh, the best of the bunch, that, that he's the best Barton. He's definitely not the best Barton Drews. Other news and notes, Britton Covey was named to a COSIDA All-Academic All-American second team. Utah's beach volleyball team announces their 2022 schedule. They'll begin their season on Friday and Saturday, February 26th and, uh, 25th and 26th with four matches at San Jose State. They'll face Santa Clara and Concordia, Irvine on the first day of play, followed by Ottawa University from Arizona, and then host San Jose State on Saturday. They'll play in a two-day event at Colorado Mesa uh, on Friday and Saturday, March the 11th and 12th. They'll play a pair of matches against Colorado Mesa, as well as have matchups against Salt Lake Community College and Trinidad State. As you can tell, beach volleyball is a little bit different. It's kind of weird that Utah has a beach volleyball team, but I think, if I'm not mistaken, they still play indoors at the the old field house. Um, Maybe they've moved it since then. Uh, But before going to the Pac-12 South event at the University of Arizona, they will compete against Grand Canyon on Friday, March 25th, uh, and then they'll go into the weekend of conference play. They'll see a tough Pac-12 slate with matches against UCLA and USC on Saturday, and then they'll play Stanford and Oregon on Sunday in Tucson. All four Pac-12 matches will be televised on the Pac-12 networks. Uh, They'll then head to Irvine uh, Valley College on April 1st and 2nd, facing Concordia and Masters University. 
Then they'll play a match against the host school Irvine Valley College and close out Saturday's play against CSU Bakersfield. Utah will have an opportunity on Sunday, April 3rd to play a pair of matches at Manhattan Beach against powerhouses UCLA and Loyola Marymount. They'll finish off the Pac-12, sorry, return to Pac-12 play with a trip to Palo Alto uh, where they'll be at Stanford on Saturday and Sunday, April 9th and 10th. They'll play Arizona, Washington, Arizona State um, while also facing California. The final regular season tournament for Utah will be its home tournament where the team will host Cal Poly, Arizona, Boise State, and Salt Lake Community College. Their lone home event of the season will take place Friday and Saturday, April 22nd and 23rd. Pray for good weather for that one. The Pac-12 championships will be in Tucson, Arizona, on Thursday through Saturday, April 28th through the 30th. That will also be televised on the Pac-12 networks. We'll go ahead and keep you updated on this as well uh, as we get results back. I promise this is not going to be coming to Locked On Utes Beach Volleyball podcast, but we love to recognize those over sport. I also want to point out that women's tennis announced that, that the remainder of their spring schedule, as they kick things off on January 15th against Dixie State, then January 22nd, Montana and Seattle, then uh, January 28th at Cincinnati. Sorry, Montana and Seattle will be home at the George S. Eccles Tennis Center along with Dixie State. So they'll start off the slate at home with Dixie State, Montana, and Seattle. Then they'll go on the road to Cincinnati and Indiana. Then they'll back home for Idaho State, Washington State, Minnesota, Denver, Brigham Young on February the 25th, Northern Arizona on the 27th. Then back on the road at USC, or excuse me, at home for USC and UCLA. Then they'll be at Washington March the 11th, March 13th at Washington State, March 18th at California, March 20th at Stanford, March 26th at Cal State Fullerton, 27th at Loyola Marymount. Then it's back for a homestand with Oregon, Arizona, Arizona State, and Colorado. And then April 20th, the Pac-12 Championships. So this has become a really fun uh, team to follow. Women's tennis has done really well. And they've been recruiting at an exceptional rate. I think they got a five, if I'm not mistaken, a five-star commitment uh, not too long ago. So uh, women's tennis is doing exceptionally well and really starting to take some momentum. So we'll keep track of them as well. It's been a busy day. Hope you enjoyed this. Try to shake things up a little bit so you just don't get all recruiting. We'll also start talking uh, Utah versus Ohio State. Do some crossover talk with that as well. Again, reminder, Dan Sorensen tomorrow from Ute Zone to wrap up the uh, recruiting class stuff. We'll also get his thoughts on the season and preview the game a little bit as well. want to thank everybody for tuning in as always. Thank you for following us. Thank you for uh, interacting on Twitter and, and everything else. This has been the Locked on Youth Podcast for December 16th, 2021, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.